Season 2, Episode 12. It's the hero's journey of comics. Is this the adventure you've planned for me? Braving the winding road of geekdom. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. Sharing our advice. He believed that his example could inspire. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And exposing our mistakes. This is all going to end badly. Everybody has an agenda. Welcome to the Show Me Comicast. You're listening to Show Me Comicast. I'm Tim Pickerel, digital media producer for Show Me Comics. And I'm Jordan Taylor, wordsmith for Show Me Comics. I write the comic book scripts and also the blog on showmecomics.com. And once again, we are without Sam. Seems like we'll probably be without Sam for a few episodes at least. Well, that's for a good reason, because Sam just had a major life-changing event. He, uh, he got a vasectomy. No, wait, <laughs> that's, that was, that's not right. The opposite. The opposite. He had a child. Yeah, he had a son that was Well, born. he still has the child. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope. Speaking past tense. But uh, this, uh, his son was born just about a week ago, maybe less than a week. Less than a week at the time that we're recording this. Yeah, less than a week. By the time you hear this, it'll be about one week exactly. Exactly, one week, yeah. So, But we also had another major life event recently, which was we attended our first, you know, for us, big comic book convention, which was Wizard World St. Louis. Yeah, so that was a uh, that was a pretty big deal. I uh, I was only able to go one of the days, and I even got to that day pretty late, so I missed a lot of the sales experience. I uh, I did get to walk around a little bit. I spent some time behind the table, but most of the experience was by Jordan and Sam, and we're short of Sam, so this is going to be a very Jordan-centric episode. <laughs> right. Well, I'll try to do my best to convey the impressions that both Sam and I got. Uh, for you listeners out there that are you know joining us along the hero's journey of comics, this will be a good um, you know quick post con recap to let you know the things that we noticed that we did well, but also those things that we need to learn from and do a lot better next con. And so you can, you know, just get out your notepad and start taking notes and that way you won't have to make the same mistakes that we did. Mm -hmm. And I think the way we're going to approach this is Tim's basically going to play the uh, interviewer and I'm going to play the interviewee and he's going to, you know, try to ferret out those things that we did well and those things we did not so well by him interviewing me. So my first question is, going into Wizard World, how was the setup experience different than our first convention at Project Comic-Con? Well, the first thing that was different about setup was just the size of the place. Right. Uh, it was huge, whereas, you know, Project Comic-Con, you just kind of... Uh, pulled up to the parking lot and parked your car and did a short walk and you were there. Mm -hmm. This one, you had to worry about traffic. You had to worry about where you were going to park because it was downtown in the Edward Jones Dome where the St. Louis Rams play. Right. And it was, uh, you know, pretty intense just from that aspect. You know, we needed to get there very early to make sure that we beat the crowd. The first day that we got there on Friday, we showed up probably about an hour and a half early before the actual doors open to the attendees and those doors opened at 3 p.m right on friday i believe it was 3 p.m 
And when we got there, there was already a big line of con goers that were there well before us. So, um, you know, we got pretty good parking spots. And then on the next day, we were running a little behind. And by the time we got there, we were waiting forever in our car just to get into the parking garage and get a good spot. Wow. So that's one lesson learned right there is get there in plenty of time, get there early, even though once you get into the convention, you'll probably be cooling your heels for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's worth it. Cause the, the other one, if you think, Hey, we got here, you know, 30 minutes before the con starts, that's plenty of time when you're thinking about, you know, finding a parking space, paying for parking, transporting all of your stuff into the convention center, a half an hour early is not really enough time. Right. So for those of you who haven't been to a Wizard World before, this is the second year that they had Wizard World here in St. Louis. The first time last year, we went as fans, and it was pretty decent-sized as far as I was concerned. I've only, I had only been to Project Comic Con twice before Wizard World St. Louis. So the first year of Wizard World was my first real convention experience as far as like just pop culture instead of just comics. This year, they really turned it up to 11, in my opinion, as far as something locally. I mean, probably not as grand, grandiose as the San Diego Comic Con. Oh, yeah, but. not even close to that. But I will say over last year, they easily doubled, maybe even tripled the size of this convention. It was it was huge. It took up, like, just the entrance area this year was where the actual where the entirety of the convention was held last year yeah imagine the size of a football field because that's where we were we were inside the dome and they had everything cleared out and it took up the entire football stadium and yeah and that was just the booths and yeah that was just artist alley the exhibitors booths the celebrity guest area and then all the panels and gaming and stuff like that actually happened outside of the dome so it was bigger than a football stadium with that in, so with that in mind, with the like size and everything, how was the atmosphere different than our first convention? So for the atmosphere, one thing that we noticed right off the bat was what everybody else in Artist Alley was kind of selling. Uh-huh. And this was, it probably turned out to be a good thing for us, but a lot of people were selling like art prints and posters and things like that and there were not a lot of people that were selling actual comic books in artist alley which i felt like that was kind of a a shock so artist alley this year was four rows i don't know exactly how many tables were in a row it didn't seem like artist alley was very big in comparison to everything else but maybe that was just me i think it just appeared that way because of the size of everything else but it was pretty big there okay. was uh in the area of like 50 tables per row and four rows so okay. picture 200 plus artist alley tables okay i yeah i was just thinking compared to project comic-con it seemed like there was a lot more local talent spread across the breadth of that area but yeah now that i think about it in comparison that's probably about the same size as the artist alley was at wizard world if if not bigger um the other thing about the atmosphere was just the uh, foot traffic Mm -hmm. because there were so many more attendees it was pretty much a constant flow of foot traffic so there you weren't seeing the same people twice or three times uh, with some exceptions but at project comic-con it seemed like you know you'd uh, talk to somebody, you know, and then as 
the day went on, you were having to scan the people that went by and be like, hey, I already talked to her, I already talked to him, you know. Oh, hey, there's a fresh face. Mm -hmm. Whereas here at Wizard World St. Louis, it was constantly fresh faces, which was really cool. So at Project Comic Con last year, our table was pretty much right when you came in. And at the time, we thought that was a pretty good spot to be because you would catch people on the way in, on the way out. The table this year was kind of buried amongst a sea of other tables. Do you think that hurt at all? No, because we still had pretty good placement, in my opinion. We were pretty much smack dab in the middle of one of the rows. Um, so it wasn't an in cap where a lot of people were trying to, you know, navigate and turn around and stuff. We, you know, by the time you get to the middle of the row, it's somebody who's walking the complete distance of that row. So they're pretty much committed to looking at the stuff around them okay. uh, and not just, you know, trying to rush on to the next thing per se. Uh, the other thing was our row, um, the way it laid out with the four rows, some of them were completely smashed at one end of the dome. Uh, whereas we were not, we were kind of, uh, for all intents and purposes, right at the beginning of Artist Alley. And I think that helped out. Okay. Because that was somebody's first foray. Oh, hey, I'm entering Artist Alley and there's, you know, the Show Me Comics guys. Instead of, you know, somebody could have walked into Artist Alley and just kind of tooled around a little bit without ever going the entire length. Right. Yeah, and then if you if you consider the, the actual beginning of the rows... You're right. I mean, there's 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 other stuff around the artist alley which kind of squashes the entrance of artist alley. Yeah, because- and here's another thing about table placement was, and this is something that was a surprise to me, but we paid for our table like when they first went on sale. Mm-hmm. So about a week before the convention, I got an email. Uh, from the Wizard World staff that said, hey, we've attached, you know, a, a map of the layout. If you don't see your name by a table, send us your top three choices of position where you'd want to go. And I'm like, oh, I opened up the attachment. Can't wait to see where we are. And there was almost nobody's name listed. You know, <laughs> I would say like 5% of the tables actually had a name listed. And I'm thinking, what the heck? You know, we already paid for a table a long time ago. So I fired off my top three choices, Mm -hmm. sent them back in an email. Within a few days, we got the finalized map, and our table was none of those top three choices. (laughs) Uh, So if you're doing a Wizard World, I don't know if that's standard operating procedure, but that's the way it worked out here in St. Louis. I know there was some backlash on Wizard World's Facebook page because they were actually charging for fan tables. Yeah, I don't know much about that. Apparently before they weren't doing that and there was just, so I don't know if like fan tables, I guess fan tables count as artist alley. Do they? I don't know if they would put them in artist alley, but I think the, why that probably happened is they had such a demand for actual creators in artist alley that they had to charge for fan tables because they didn't have the extra space to just give it away for free. Yeah. If anybody listening to this knows more about that, shoot us a message because I'm interested in that. For sure. Okay, let's break up the mundane interview questions. Give me one good story from what happened this weekend. And I will probably ask you for other ones, but... So here's a really good lesson learned that we had not encountered at our last con. And something that I never even thought about as we do bigger cons, but I probably should have. So we're sitting at the table, and I believe this was on Sunday. And we're, you know, selling pretty good. Mm -hmm. 
and we had this one fan come over and we sold him a book and uh, Sam was doing personalized sketches in a lot of these books. Right. And uh, one thing that was hard to do was, you know, when you're talking to somebody and having a good conversation and you see people that start picking up the book and they're interested, mm -hmm. you got to kind of disengage, you know, and then move on and start giving your sales pitch to the new people that came to your table. You know, otherwise you might miss an opportunity. So this cat <laughs> had un, you know, shouldered his backpack and put the comic he just bought in there. And then I noticed he was kind of like quasi talking to the people next to us, mm -hmm. and but still standing by our table. A new group of customers came over. In fact, there were two groups, and Sam engaged one, and I engaged the other, and we were talking to him. And then all of a sudden I got this weird feeling like the guy that was standing at our table that we just sold a book to uh, wasn't talking to the people next to us anymore, but mm -hmm. he was still standing there. And as I turned around, he had just started zipping up his backpack for a second time and then walked off real quick. And I'm like, oh, okay, well he's done. And then I noticed that one of our comics that was on, we had like a little stand um, that would prop the book up mm -hmm. for people to look was gone. He stole a comic. He did. It was our first. Theft. Wow. <laughs> and when, as soon as it happened, I'm like, Wow, I don't know if I'm supposed to be mad or flattered, <laughs> you know, that uh, he's like, hey, this looks pretty cool, and I only have enough money for one. Let me steal that other one. And So he bought one and stole one. Yeah, he bought one and stole one, and I guess I kind of felt both those feelings at the same time. I was mad, and of the way the tables were set up and being in the middle of the row, there was no quick way short of me, like jumping over the table, knocking people over, you know, to, to go chase them down. But I was like, Oh, well that's, you know, one comic lost. But as you get to those bigger cons and there's a lot of hubbub, which you could tell he capitalized on the fact that those other customers came over the table and were distracting us, right. but it's something I never even thought of. So you know, going forward in the future, what we're going to do and what we urge you to do, customers. Put your stands is, further back on the table. Yeah, put stuff that's more centralized to where you're actually standing. So, like, thankfully, we had the cash box, um, you know, at, towards the back of the table by us, and it had some displays in front of it that were acting as an obstruction. Mm -hmm. But one of those displays got stolen, which is better than the cash box getting stolen. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's something to think about is how you have your stuff positioned on the table, especially people that are selling, you know, small merchandise that has a good value. Like there were some crafter tables that were selling jewelry and stuff. I could only imagine that that would be an easy target for people to take. Yeah. And it's sad. <laughs> you got to think about stuff like that, but, uh, we kind of got our innocence <laughs> ripped from us. I went home and took a cold shower in my clothes because <laughs> I lost my innocence. But, uh, yeah, somebody stole, a copy. So wow. if you're if you're listening right now, you got away with it. <laughs> yeah. I guess since I don't feel too bummed about it, since he did at least buy a copy. <laughs> yeah. But and somebody's so somebody's got to get that free copy. 
I don't know. Maybe he wanted one that he's going to, you know, the traditional comic style, one to read and one to put away in a plastic sleeve (laughs) (laughs) just in case. it's. In that case, he's kind of investing in our future. Uh, Yeah, well, he's investing in his pocketbook with a zero dollar investment. He's expecting us to be big enough that that comic's going to be worth a lot of money. And that's where the equal parts mad and flattered (laughs) came in. So, yeah, that's that's one interesting story from the con. Okay, so... Three days at Wizard World. Project Comic-Con was two days? Yeah, two days, Saturday and Sunday. This one was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. How exhausted are you? You know, it really does make you tired. And this might sound kind of corny, but it's one of those things to think about. Like last con I mentioned, hey, bring a little snack to eat Mm because you might get hungry. And I did the same thing this time around. But what I didn't think of was uh, wearing comfortable shoes. Because, uh, you know, we try not to sit in our chairs and be passive at our table. We like to stand up and engage the fans and, you know, customers and people who might be interested in our stuff. So standing on the concrete floor for, you know, nine, ten hours in a row, Mm -hmm. my dogs were barking (laughs) by the end of it. And uh, I didn't think of it, but I was wearing kind of like flat, not dress shoes, but a little bit, you know, nicer looking shoes that weren't as comfortable as sneakers. And I think next time, no matter how I dress, I'm just going to wear sneakers. Like I said, I was only there for Saturday and I wasn't, I was maybe there for half, not a little more than half the day, but I was, I, I hardly did anything and I was exhausted just by paying attention to what was going on. And just seeing everything was there. There was so much sensory overload that I felt like I had been awake for two days by the time I got out of there. The other thing that was a little bit exhausting was giving uh, your sales pitch over and over and over again. I remember sometimes there would be a a time when Sam would walk away from the table and, you know, so he kind of had a little bit less energy, you know, when it's just one person there. But I remember people coming over and starting to look interested and I'm like, Oh, I just want to, you know, a break to not talk to anybody for like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, but mm-hmm. Hey, that's not going to happen. So I just had to stand up, you know, and, and deliver, uh, the pitch for our story over and over again, the elevator pitch from our previous episode. Yeah. Which uh, that really helped thinking about the elevator pitch because, uh, within the first couple hours I had it pretty much refined and as I mentioned, you know, it gets kind of exhausting talking to people. Mm-hmm. But if you have that pitch that's the same every time, it almost comes out automatic. And that helps relieve the fatigue. Cool. So in a lot of our uh, previous episodes before, before our wizard, like two episodes ago, we rehashed what we did right and what we could improve on uh, going into this convention. So that said... What did we do right? What did we do wrong? What can we improve on? Let's start with what we can improve on. All right. Well, I've got a lot for what we can improve on. For okay. what we did right, you can kind of go back to the previous episodes and pretty much just put together we did all the same stuff we did right from then and, you know, changed. Tightened uh, up the elevator pitch. Yeah, and tightened up all the things that we needed improvement on. But now this time around, we found a lot of new stuff that we didn't think of that we needed improvement on. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, the first thing I noticed was because this was a bigger con and there was less, um, not trying to sound insulting, but rinky dink outfits, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 
the just the quality of the displays and the setups of the table were a level above what we saw at the last con. Okay. And what that means is if we don't attain that same level of, you know, uh, I want to say professionalism, that might not be the right uh, word, but I guess flair, you know, just a good looking setup, a good looking booth. Mm-hmm. If we don't have that, we'd stick out like a sore thumb. Like we'd look like the amateurs. Oh, there was uh, one thing that happened while I think you were gone at the time. I think it was just me and Sam at the table. One of the people that bought the comic was very impressed with our tablecloth. Oh, yeah? Yes. That, my stepmom made that for us. <laughs> Sam told the entire story about that. The, whoever, the, the the guy that bought the comic was very impressed. He said it really stood out yeah, with we, everything else that and, was there. And uh, what our tablecloth, it was a bright red color. And a lot of people default to the black, you know, because the black will make their product stand out on right. top of it. But once you've covered up the majority of your table with your product that's going to stand out anyway but i think the the red really made it pop it's primarily red it's got some black and white trim in it and some gold and stuff japanese inspired and uh he was really impressed with it and i mean i think it looks good too so so i think we did good on that part um, did good on the table itself <laughs> but it was funny we had a uh, a framed poster that we used at the last one, and we kind of set it up on an easel, mm-hmm. which, again, that doesn't look that good compared to the professional look of most of the, the booths, but it's something. Right. And so Sam and I, on the first day, actually drove separately and showed up, and I had the tablecloth and the books and everything, and I started setting up, and then Sam came, and he um, you know, started putting his stuff down, and I said... Hey, uh, where's the poster, you know, with the easel and stuff? And he goes, oh, my cat chewed it up. <laughs> so, so that's one thing we could do differently. Like if uh, Sam... Get rid of Sam's cat? He Get rid of Sam's cat. Or if Sam's cat chews anything up, address that before the <laughs> first day of the con. So we didn't have really anything behind us. The nice thing was the people on the opposite side of the row behind us had a big display, and the pretty much the backside of their display was all black. Mm-hmm. So it did create a black backdrop, which was nice. Um, but if we hadn't had that, you'd just be looking at two guys and then the all the distractions of the con behind you. Right. So it worked out really well that we didn't have any distracting visuals behind us. We just had the blank black you know, canvas, mm-hmm. um, but that wasn't because of something due diligence that we paid, you know, before the con, it just was happenstance. Um, so that's something that we need to remember to do before the next con is to have those things. And so I'm going to order some professional looking banners. Uh, I'm going to make sure that, uh, they are guarded by a few dogs so that no cats (laughs) get to them. Um, so that's one thing that we need to do better next time. Way more effort needs to go into our display and setup just to, so that we don't stick out like a sore thumb right. and, and look shoddy. Uh, another thing that's going into those displays is we had, we accepted all forms of payment because we had a square reader. Mm-hmm. So Sam basically took a piece of paper out of his sketchbook and wrote on it, hey, we accept all forms of payment and wrote it in marker and just kind of put it on top of the table. But when I was able to do a couple rounds, I noticed that 
Some people had some little paper uh, pop-up signs that you could construct and put together, and they had the Visa logo, the MasterCard, American Express, Discover, mm-hmm. and then all accepted by, and then they had the Square Reader logo. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's something that you can probably just get directly from Square, maybe not even have to pay for it. Okay. Uh, and if not, I'm sure it's simple as like download a file and then have the sign printed up yourself. Yeah. It's definitely something that we could do if they don't have something readily available. Yeah. It's just a, one of those easy little things, but it's in the devil's in the details, you know, and that uh, makes you look more professional than a marker written sign that says we accept all forms of payment. One thing that I noticed this time around, we were selling, uh, prints. It's almost opening day. Or well, today was opening day. Was it yes? Yeah. Today was opening day for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Sam drew a Sam, Sam made prints of our main character in a Cardinals Jersey. And he was selling those the size of them. However, didn't go well into people's bags and they were trying to do their best not to have to fold it up or anything like that. It'd almost be beneficial to have like our own bags with some kind of backing thing so they can have it to put in and not screw it up. So that's a really good point. Uh, we, established on our previous con that we wanted something to kind of like upsell or drop sell from you know more than just the book a Mm -hmm. little bit of something extra to to offer and so uh sam drew that picture of our main character in the the cardinals get up and it got a really good reception on our facebook page that people were liking it so he's like hey that's there's our upsell thing we can you know offer a personal sketch and the book and a, a print an 11 by 17 print all for 20 bucks and that's a pretty good markup on the print uh but it's a good also a good value you know for the customer mm-hmm. and i'm like that's a great idea two things about that first to your point about how they would transport it around the con yeah we didn't put a lot of thought into that and you could almost see people who bought it hold it up and like what the heck am i going to do with this thing for the rest of the time that i'm walking around the mm-hmm. con or the people that were thinking about it you know didn't even buy it because they were thinking the same thing what I noticed a lot of other people that were selling prints did was they would have these cardboard tubes yeah, and you can just roll the print up, slide it into the cardboard tube. And in fact, uh, or a plastic sleeve because I bought a, a poster at, at a convention before mm-hmm. and you know, like your normal uh, movie size poster and they rolled it up and slid it into a plastic sleeve. And that was good enough for me to carry around the con. Um, and that would probably be a cheaper option than mm-hmm. the cardboard tube. Uh, but so just like a poster size plastic sleeve, you know, it's like when you go buy a poster from any store, right? They would have it in a plastic sleeve with yeah. a little sticker over the top. Uh, so yeah, good point about that. The second point about that print though, is we kind of overestimated what your average comic fan would want to pair this comic about ninjas with. And we're like, hey, you know, I tried to put a good spin on it. This is a Wizard World St. Louis exclusive. You know, you can see she's in the St. Louis, you know, Cardinals get up. But just most of your average comic book fan, I hate to sound stereotypical, but they didn't like it. You know, they didn't like that it was sports. Right. In fact, Sam mentioned at one time he kind of hid the prints, you know, pushed them off to the side because he's like, you know, the prints are really big and people are coming over and they see that and they're like, what is this, a baseball comic? And then just kept walking. You know, they didn't say that out loud, but you got that impression. Meanwhile, I noticed that a lot of the prints that other people were selling, and we could probably do a whole podcast on this, but we're like, 
mashups, you know, like, uh, oh, this is a, a Doctor Who character riding a My Little Pony. <laughs> okay. And they're like, oh, my God, it's My Little Pony and Doctor Who. I got to have that because I like them both, you know. Mm-hmm. And so they would buy these prints from these other people. And I'm like, there's the problem. See, we mashed up our character with a sports team. We didn't mash up our character and some other aspect of geek culture. Right. But the other thing that we could do a whole podcast about is like, how the heck are these people getting away with selling all these, you know, copy right properties? Right. Like there was a guy across the aisle that was selling prints of like Captain America and the artwork was great, but it was Captain America and it said fighting for America. And I'm thinking, you can't, you couldn't do that with something else, you know? Like, we couldn't go out and say Star Wars, for example. Right. There are Star Wars fan films, you mm-hmm. know, but they can't be sold. Right. Using those same characters and that, you know, all those same copyright terms and things like that. Uh, and one of the, the veteran guys that was there mentioned to us, he's like, yeah, the more you get Marvel and DC people, like, that are actually from the company into these cons, I would expect to see that stuff go away. And a lot of those people that were selling just prints are going to be in a world of hurt because they don't have any original characters that they can sell. And even if they do, nobody knows who they are. Right. I mean, and same thing with us. Like it, it, it would work for us for that combo deal to sell the print mm-hmm. because like, Hey, you've already shown that you have a potential interest in this character. And here's a print for a few extra bucks of our character, you know, um, the, again, those veterans mentioned, you know, we have a real nice cover on our uh, graphic novel, just an 11 by 17 print of that cover. Yeah. Uh, another thing that the same guy said was uh, we went to FedEx to get those 11 by 17s ran off. Okay. And he mentioned going to Office Depot. They're a lot cheaper. Oh. So that's just a real practical piece of knowledge that our listeners can use when they're having prints made. Uh, another thing that we learned while we're on that topic of making prints and I'm kind of stealing this idea again from the table next to us, but our book is not really kid friendly. Right. Uh, I like to say that it's a hard PG 13 and we did sell it to a lot of, you know, 12, 13, 14 year olds at this con. And especially when their parents were with them, we said, Hey, it, it does get a little bit violent. I told them it's no more violent than what you would see on a real gory episode of the walking dead. And most of them were, you know, fine with that. Right. Uh, but I, I did make sure I warned them. But just to, you know, as an act of goodwill or just to have fun at the con, we had nothing for little kids. And there's tons of little kids at these events, you know. So I thought maybe something we could do differently next time. And this idea, like I said, I'm stealing from the table that was next to us. But just get a regular 8.5 by 11 black and white print of one of our characters or a ninja or something like that that is a very bare bones line drawing that they can use as a coloring book page oh and then you just you could throw down you know our website address on the bottom of the page or something like that but you know that costs pennies to give out to kids and build goodwill you know that's a good idea so I definitely want to do that for the next con. Plus, we need like colorists. So. <laughs> yeah, so they, we will start training them now, and in about 20 years, those kids will be ready to, <laughs> to jump in and be our colorists. Okay, so the, one more thing, and this is a very practical thing for our audience to learn from, 
but that's what our goal is to learn from these little uh, mistakes in air quotes that we made. So I made sure every night and every morning that my phone had a full charge because mm-hmm. one of the things that we wanted to do was use the square reader. And if our audience doesn't know what that is, it's a little device that plugs into the top of your mobile phone and you can swipe credit cards and debit cards. It's amazing. It, it is pretty awesome. And it, you can sign up for free. So, and they're not paying us to say that. Yeah, they're not. Um, so I signed up for that. So I plugged it into my mobile phone, which had a full charge. But if you think over the course of nine or 10 hours, mm-hmm. that's a long time. Yeah. Um, we, my battery never completely died, but to that other point, we had mentioned in a, a previous episode that we wanted to do a lot of tweeting and stuff like that, you mm-hmm. know, and just hit the social media hard. And another thing we decided, and this is something that we did well was, Hey, when people start buying copies of our book, have them hold it up and we'll take a quick picture and they will be our featured fans on like Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, just got a thank you to them for buying the book. Uh, but also to just show how, you know, show people, Hey, this is the, you know, diverse group of people that are liking our book. Well, if you start to think about if you're taking pictures with your phone, if you're tweeting with your phone, if you're posting to Facebook with your phone and you have to have that as your, form of taking payment and you're worried about battery life suddenly you have to not tweet not take very many pictures because you want to make sure that your battery is going to hold out to take those credit card and debit card payments what we need to do next time is buy an external battery charger so what this is basically like a giant battery that you charge before you go into the con you get there when your phone starts going low you plug it into that big battery the same way you'd plug it into a wall outlet and then it charges it up real quick i have something like that it's not that big it's like a little it's about yay big that big around this this tells nothing to the people listening because this is audio yeah. uh, it's about the size of a uh, roll of quarters and it's got a usb thing at the end and it just has every adapter on it for every type of phone so now you tell us yeah i didn't <laughs> I, I i didn't think about I, I forgot to bring it with me because while i was i had a full charge when i got in there at like noon or twelve thirty, and my phone was dead before six thirty. yeah especially because it's searching for signal a lot of the times and that drains the battery um, so that's a, a big lesson there for people and it sounds simple, but if we had just thought of it beforehand, which now you as the audience can think about it beforehand, cause we're mentioning it to you, uh, that would have helped out a lot because we could have done more with our mobile devices if we weren't constantly worried about the, the battery life. Let's say you drain your biceps, blood is rushing into your muscles and that's what we call the pump. Your muscles get a really tight feeling, like your skin is going to explode any minute. You know, it's really tight. It's like somebody blowing air into into your muscle. It just blows up, and it feels different. It feels fantastic. All right, so this is Forced Reps. This is our segment of the show where we try to teach you how to karate chop writer's block and break that thing in half, or also just give you interesting exercises as an artist uh, to continue to do some, you know, quick sketching and just, you know, have those. Uh, artistic muscles completely pumped up all the time. Uh, so first, for you artists, here's your forced rep. We mentioned one of our lessons learned was having uh, 
some kind of coloring sheet we could give out to kids. So if you already have some of your characters or you just want to do, you know, one of ours or an established, uh, you know, comic book or movie character, draw a fun one page, eight and a half by 11 coloring sheet that you could give out to kids and have them color and it'd be a lot of fun. For writers, here's your forced rep. Just write a one, two, three, you know, don't get crazy, a few page long short story featuring as your main character the guy who stole our comic at Wizard World St. Louis. But give him a far out sci-fi reason or a clandestine, you know, CIA reason that he had to steal our book and against his wishes he did it. I love that. Yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up our, uh, you know, post-con experience. This was a quick down-and-dirty episode. If, uh, you know, Sam had been here, I'm sure we could have gone, you know, and talked at length, especially about the the prints. Another half hour. But what I'd like to do is before the next con, do another, you know, recap of Lessons Learned to get us primed for the new con. And on that one, we'll get Sam in here so he can talk to the audience and uh, remember what he learned from Wizard World St. Louis. Sounds good. On that note, I'm Tim. And on behalf of myself and Jordan, thank you for listening. And if you're one of our new fans that we just picked up via Wizard World St. Louis, hey, thanks a lot. We really enjoyed it, and you guys made it extremely fun. Uh, and keep listening because we're going to do you know less down and dirty and more up and clean, <laughs> <laughs> tight episodes about various topics in the comic book world. And to find out when those episodes are going to come out, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Show Me Comics. Hit us up on Facebook at Hafu Graphic Novel. And also showmecomics.com, where you'll be able to see all that stuff. And if you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe on iTunes and give us a rating and a review. You're